Am I making any sense? All right, we're recording. Cool. And here we are, another episode of Am I Making Sense? I have my very good buddy here. He is a hilarious guy that I love listening to in our Woodham, Woodham's weekly comedy mic. Actually, twice weekly, because we do it both on Monday and Tuesday. He is also a musician, and he is gigging with the band Living Daylights. And they can be seen throughout the Bay Area. I'm sure that probably COVID is a hindrance, and we're going to get into that. But please, everyone, make some noise for Uncle Vic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow, this is really cool to be here. <laughs> I figure I'm gonna fool. I'm gonna fool all the listeners into thinking we have this humongous live audience. Oh, uh, I we podcast. <laughs> oh, they're not real. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vic, man, I'm. I, I was being sincere there. I really enjoy watching your comedy every week. I think there's some kind of lightheartedness, fun, uh, upbeat type uh, humor that you deliver every week. Um, I guess to kick things off, what, when did you, when did you first get into comedy? Well, uh, hmm. um, I could say 11 years ago, that's the short answer. Okay. Uh, uh, growing up in my household, I'm the youngest of six kids and, uh, four girls and then one brother in front of me. And in between all the fighting, um, we, uh, didn't have much else to do except, uh, you know, pretend we were comedians. Uh, Jerry Lewis was a household fixture. Oh. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> and, Man, uh, that stuff stands up. That yeah. stuff stands up to this day. You get any of those guys. Oh, who is the other guy? Uh, he was really good at voices. He was a troubled man, heavier set. I think he was even before Jerry Lewis. Steve. Um, oh. Um, getting his name. Anyway, I, I'm getting this off track. But that stuff is some of the best stuff. Uh, you know, Jerry Lewis, I, I, I want to call the way she did her humor is almost her, his female counterpart is Carol Burnett. Yes. Oh, he's oh. hilarious too. Oh my God. Her face I love her too. Oh yeah. We, we grew up, I mean, you know, I, I was born in 64, I'm 56 now. So we didn't have cable TV growing up until about, I think 74, 75, when it first came to our area in, in San Jose, California. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was Gill Cable back then. But anyway, back then, I mean, whatever was on TV is what you got to watch. And we didn't have the best antenna to watch, you know, Channel 44. Uh, that was the big UHF versus VHF yeah. stations. So we got lucky when Carol Burnett came on uh, yeah. in the afternoons. And boy, I mean, I, to this day, you know, I still pop on uh, YouTube and watch some of her old clips because she is yeah. one funny woman. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, that Jerry to, uh, Lewis stuff made impression on you most. Oh, we were all just, you know, trying to act it out as kids. Yeah. Uh, trying to act out Jerry's physical comedy. And of course, Carol Burnett, we act all silly and stuff like that. But um, I think that's what kind of ignited the spark in me. Both uh, Jerry Lewis, another guy, I don't know if you know who he is, Danny Kaye, uh, another old time uh, singer, comedian, actor, one of those kind of guys. And back then they were all doing singing and dancing and, yes. and you know, comedic arts and whatnot. Yeah, um, but he was another guy that we grew up with and whatnot. But um, I didn't actually start physically doing comedy stand up until I got laid off from work back in 2009, and uh, I had nothing else to do. And I was always wanted to do it because 
the big comedy explosion happened in the 80s. Yeah. And I thought to myself, God, I wish I could do that. And it's like, why can't I? And and uh, for the longest time, I, I, you know, I just like watched and was just, you know, I couldn't get the nerve up to do it. And then when I got laid off from work, it just kind of changed my perspective on everything. It's like, well, now what have I got to lose, you know? And yeah, you know, uh, so I thought, okay. And then uh, shortly after, I started going to, uh, downtown to go see a buddy of mine. He were, had a, uh, his own business downtown, still does uh, a lot of glass blowing and stuff like that. And he said, hey, they got a comedy club, uh, a bar now, so they're doing open mics. You want to go take a look? Oh, really? Let's go look. So I did, and that was uh, Mr. Otto Walker um, at the uh, Britannia Arms in San Jose. And uh, he told me, come back in one week. I'm filled up, but I'll be back next Monday. And uh, next Monday, I went up there, and I gave it my best shot. I thought, oh, that wasn't so bad. I was so nervous, you know. But, um, you know, uh, that's what the first time I had done it. I was back in, yeah, 2009, I think it was. And then, uh, you know, I was doing it pretty heavily for a while. And then, uh, you know, I got a job, Yeah. finally. Uh, and then, um, I don't know, I kind of tapered off a little bit, but I started getting back into it recently, obviously with COVID. Yeah. Things, I mean, everything right now, this year doesn't, doesn't, doesn't count for yeah. a lot of things. But uh, as far as comedy is concerned, it definitely has helped me kind of tap back into uh, the comedy portion of my entertainment, um, um, you know, desires. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The accessibility of, I guess we'll loosely quote unquote call it stand-up comedy, is there's no excuse anymore. So this is what I've been thinking about because um a, a comedian's life is a nocturnal life. And yeah. when I back prior to being shut down, I I had some crazy hours, man, because my work. I, my work demands had me up a lot, most mornings at like six. Wow. And I was usually, I, if not in the office by seven, sometimes by six 30 to start doing stuff. And, um, some nights I would only do mics usually three days out of the week. And so, um, you know, there were, there were multiple days out of the week where I was getting maybe four hours of sleep or wow. something. And then on the weekend, I'd be so tired. And I'm thinking about this, this, uh, COVID it's been good in the sense that I'm sleeping a lot more and I feel, I still feel tired a lot. I don't know what that is. I think that's old age or something, but I, I just go, I don't know how I'm going to go back to those late nights where I get on a list and I'm waiting around until, you know, midnight or whatever, wow. getting home at one 30. I, I miss it and I can't wait to go back to it. But at the same token, I'll take this zoom stuff, man. This has been great. Oh, this has been really great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, on, um, not yeah. just our Woodham's mic, but I'm going to Mike's, you know, East Coast, and I'm going to Mike's um, located down south, and they're all just virtual Zoom mics. And but it's cool because I'm just meeting different people, I'm seeing different styles, I'm, um, you know, having to kind of learn how to make people laugh through through the monitor, which is a totally different thing. Oh yeah, yes. So. Um, but it's interesting, the nerves of that first time going back up. So shout out to Atu Walker. He's a past guest. He's, uh, you know, big time here in the South Bay scene. And um, do you find that being a stage performer with an instrument helped you, was neutral or hurt, hurt you with stand-up comedy? Uh, well, you know, like, People say that if you have an instrument in your hand, like a guitar or a bass or, you know, 
drums, you know, in some sense, you're kind of hiding behind something. And I think to an extent that's somewhat true. You know, you're kind of speaking through your instruments. Uh, as to where with, um, you know, uh, comedy, I mean, you're just, very, you know, that mic is not, you know, it's not, there. It doesn't, it's not using the same capacity as, as the guitar in the sense that it's defending you. I'm hiding behind my mic. No, yeah, yeah. no. you got to actually, you know, uh, I mean, I'll make an even more comp stark comparison. My band, we play originals, but yeah. we also do covers. Right. And, uh, you know, covers is another way of saying I'm doing somebody else's work, you yeah. know, uh, versus writing a joke on your own. And I find it easier for me to write uh, jokes, you know, silly little jokes or whatever they are, just these little, you know, quips in time. Um, trying to write a song is uh, a little more tougher for me. So I stick to the music uh, musicality of it. And the guys that I jam with, they I let them do the principal songwriting. I am kind of getting into it more, but yeah. I think that the uh, the primary part of it is going to be just the playing the guitar and just filling in all these spots that they like to do. Because it's their idea, it's their concept. That's fine. But as far as that versus uh, stand-up performance, it's helped me maybe a little bit just to get on stage and be, you know, seeing a crowd of people out there. Oh, yeah. wow, okay, I, I better not make a mistake, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, with comedy, um, you know, uh, it's a little different. I don't, uh, I don't, um, I don't give a damn as much as far as uh, if I make a mistake because I, I tend to talk so fast that I sometimes slur my words or I stutter over my words. Yeah. And that's just part of my delivery. And I don't yeah. care. Somebody once told me that, uh, hey, you said, are you from New York? Said, no, because you talk very fast. I go, I, I could understand you, but you talk very fast. You sound like one of those fast talking New Yorkers. So I, I took it as, as, a, um, as a compliment. But uh, it has helped. Yeah. 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 I found it's interesting you mentioned that because it kind of lines up with my experience. So my main psychological block with comedy would, was just, with an instrument, something sonic and rhythmic is happening. Mm -hmm. And we know something sonic and rhythmic is happening because we've practiced and we've put in the time in our, in our rooms or garages or wherever we play. And then you go, you know what? I know I'm not um, Stevie Ray Vi, but I know there's some musicality to this. So if I get in front of a person, I'm... I'm not the best, but I bet I'm better than three quarters of the people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when I, when I would, um, actually that's probably not true in some cases, probably, probably where there's people like really good musicians going, what is this dude doing to his guitar right now? He's mangling it. It sounds like a wounded duck, yeah. Get him off. but anyway, um, but with my words, I go, I don't know. Are these words, are, are they going to be where the people enjoy these words or it's funny to me when I wrote it down, but maybe it's not funny when it comes out of my mouth. And so I always have had this feeling of kind of inadequacy when I go up on uh, yeah. comedy where I go, I don't know if what I'm about to deliver is going to be palatable to anyone. <laughs> well, I think uh, especially, you know, it always happens that way when the guy before you just killed it. You know, you're going up in a succession of people and stuff like that. And the guy before you or a few a few people before you, you know, wow, you did really good set. You know, wow. Okay. Okay, my turn now. All right. Well, here, you know. So you kind of have that kind of sense of dread. Unless the person before you wasn't that good, then, then you got no, nothing else to do but just do what you said. But either way, I just go up there and just do it. And I loosely rehearse. I don't rehearse as much as I should probably. But I like to be loose and just kind of 
freeform. And I don't care as much here if I bomb. Uh, obviously, going on stage, uh, you know, at a bar or bowling alley. Yeah, that kind of matters. Yeah. <laughs> but here, I mean, you know, okay, well, Taylor, I screwed up this one. I, I got another, I got another uh, Zoom mic in about 20 minutes. Hey, yeah. well, I know what I won't do. So, yeah. you know, use it to your advantage. Yeah. yeah, no, I feel you. The Zoom is definitely, here's who, and I, I think I talked about this last week, the people that I'm most interested in seeing. So there's a lot of us who obviously transitioned from doing stand-up comedy in person to then having no choice but to do Zoom. But there's actually people in the Zoom comedy scene who've only done Zoom. Um, and I'm curious about how they're going to transition, if they choose to do so, from Zoom um, to real, uh, I guess, yeah. I don't know if I should the call real it. World. The the real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand-up comedy because um, this is what I was realizing the other day. I think I'm about to get really hippie kind of uh, new age on you right now, Uncle Vic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, so I think that there is a sense that humans have that we can't label in the five senses but in a room, there is an energy. Like, have you ever gone into a room where um, it's a calamity of errors and the, and the errors just keep getting worse? Almost like this energy of disaster where no one's, you know, there's like maybe one heckler or two hecklers and they're kind of taking it over. And you know that there's some good comics coming up and maybe the guy leaves, but they still can't get people to laugh. But what I'm trying to say is I think there's an energy in each room when you go into and I don't think I'm getting any exercise in managing that by working on a Zoom or doing jokes on a Zoom. I think there's something about connecting with a bunch of different people in a room that it's not just your voice, maybe. It's not just hearing. It's not just seeing. But it might even be like a, a type of vibration in the room. Well, I think that, uh, you know, there are two different um, arenas. Uh, Live uh, comedy, you know, you try to make eye contact with everybody and, you know, really confidently project your message. Uh, and a Zoom, you know, you're just talking. I mean, I find myself looking at the screen versus looking at the camera when I should, you know. I'm I doing that right now. I'm looking yeah. at it here, but yeah, my yeah. here. So yeah, yeah. You kind of have to uh, communicate it in a different way by maybe calling out somebody's name, for example. Hey, uh, Leanne, you don't want to talk about your set just about 10 minutes ago. You said that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. something like that, call us to other comics. I think that's a way of doing it, just just to uh, be more specific about it to get their attention because um, otherwise uh, you're not looking at that person in the audience. You're looking at the screen and everybody kind of, kind of thinks they're anonymous in a way that, you know, oh, he's not going to call on me. Oh, hey, uh, you know, hey, Matt, you know, you just said a minute ago, this and this and this. And yeah. I, I'm thinking the same thing or something. I don't know, something like, so I think there's other ways around it to connect. It's not the same kind of connection. Uh, it's a bit different. You have to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more pronounced, a little bit more um, forward with your stuff to communicate it. Not forward, but yeah, forward in the sense of that. Oh, I think it is. You have to make a personal connection. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. It just feels so much better when you can say someone's name and bring them into your, I guess, act for lack yeah, of a better word. I, I, I you know, I, uh, Melanie Calabresi, I, I talk with her all the time. Um, 
there was another girl on last night. I'm starting to do it more and more. I wasn't doing it before, but I'm starting to do it more and more. Yeah. And it kind of gives a sense of, um, hey, I'm talking to you guys, you know, yeah. all, all 16 faces here on the screen. And I just called one of you out, you know, not one of you out, but call, I called on one of you to, 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 for validation. And all of a sudden, everybody kind of like, I, I anyway, anyway, when I see it done, I kind of perk up and I kind of, oh, really? Hey, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. hear more of what that person's saying. So I think by calling out somebody's name as an example, there's other ways to do it too, to do it too, excuse me. Yeah. But I think that um, uh, that's just one way of including more of the people, uh, you know, it can be done as well as doing on the obviously on the outside. If you're a really good communicator, start talking to people. Hey, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. So I think it's just a different way of doing it. Yeah. Let me ask you about the connection between music and comedy. Oh, yeah. So you talked about how these uh, comics that we used to like when we were younger. It seemed like um, singing, dancing, and maybe not playing instruments, but rhythmic. There's. Um, so, okay, I'll give some examples. I'll give some examples. So one of my favorite San Jose comics is Faco. Oh, yeah. And he is a drummer. Actually, he plays a lot of instruments, yes, he but does. he's a really good drummer from what I heard. I've never seen him drum, but people say, hey, that guy's good at drumming. And I also love how he handles his timing on stage because he draws you in. There's something about the way he tells a joke and times a joke you're always sucked in. And he's just a likable guy, which is, yeah, I think, yeah, is his yeah, personality. Yeah. And then if you look at, uh, here's an old school name, Phyllis Diller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's a Bay Area, old school, right? Great, great one-line timing. She was a classically trained pianist. Wow. Um, so she went to school to play piano, right? Mm -hmm. um, another guy I really like, Bill Burr. He's a drummer. Um, it's just a hobby, but you know, he's, I've seen him drum. It's, you know, it's good. It's good drumming. Not, um, he's not going to do it for a living, but he's a good drummer. Right. <laughs> um, so what do you think, do you think that, um, the performers who have the music background are able, uh, to make a connection or find the rhythm in the joke better than not having musical training uh wow the musical rhythm of a joke is what we're talking about the, the timing the delivery. yeah okay yeah. so i think that a musician um i don't you know i i gotta say i don't think so i yeah. think that if somebody is a good communicator then again maybe that does let's figure this out uh because if somebody's a good communicator to a crowd of people yeah. Uh, there is a sense of uh, good, um, you know, just basically a good communicator. Yeah. Why? Is it because of their musical background? Well, I don't have a musical background, so I, I, yeah. I can't say that. But if I did have a musical background, um, I think more of it as I, I always thought of it as uh, uh, as musicians um, want to be comedians. And comedians want to be musicians. I've heard that before from Dave Chappelle and a few other comparisons between musicians and comedians, a way of communicating. As far as the effectiveness, getting back to your original, because this is tough. Uh, getting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't, yeah, I don't know I, if there's a right I, I answer. Just, You're right. I think what I do is we all walk around with our biases, right? And so because I love music and I've been attempting to try and play music for half of my life, not very well, but... Um, because 
<laughs> because I haven't, I always look to that like yeah. connection and go, oh, I like this comic and their music. Oh, you mentioned Dave Chappelle. Guess what? I've seen Dave Chappelle play the piano. Uh, yes, yes. He's good. Yes, he is. Yes. And so, uh, that's where I got that quote from it from him. Uh, yeah. That specially had where uh, it was those traveling comics and some musicians as well. And right. then Vince Vaughn did a similar thing with his Wild Wild West show. But I forgot what Dave Chappelle's was called. But he said he's playing the piano. Hey, yeah. you know that most uh, comedians want to be uh, musicians and most musicians want to be comedians. Oh, you know, yeah. he's just talking to the cameras. So I, that's why, you know, think about that. From. But as far as communicating, uh, aiding communicating, maybe, maybe if you can, if you're, as, okay, let's say if you're as a musician, you're playing your piano and you're looking at everybody, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey yeah, yeah, this is the G7, okay? <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I think so. I guess in that respect, it could. Yeah, yeah. why not? You know, you're, I, I always thought of it more as musicians and, and any other performing artist of any type. Yeah. Number one, they like doing it. And number two, they, they like the attention they get. I, I yeah, it, it's probably more that when you get the taste of doing something well in front of a crowd of people and you get rewarded for it, then you want more of that. And, you know, sometimes you have to work longer and harder to get it, but you, yeah, you, you like it and you want more. I, I, uh, I remember, I mean, I still have a hard time making eye contact, uh, not only on the zoom meetings, I'm looking at the camera instead of looking where I should be, but no, but, um, Sometimes I have a hard time making eye contact, especially with beautiful girls or whatever. With oh, no, don't do oh, that. Hi, how are you? you know, no, no, no. You know what? Actually, Jacob Blazer, do you know Jacob Blazer? No. He, okay, so he's on the scene too. I don't think. I've heard his name now. Yeah, in the early days of the Woodham Zoom mic, he was showing up. I haven't seen him in months. But anyway, he's, um, he's a, a lead singer of a cover band, but he's also a comedian. So, um, you know, he's been on the podcast and we've talked, but. So he was a lead singer and I go, Hey, I asked him how that helps. And he goes, yeah, there's a lot of just mechanical things you're doing on stage that I think a lead singer and a stand-up comic, they, they kind of, the two are hand in hand, but with specifically with making eye contact, he goes, yeah, you never make eye contact. He goes, that's a bad idea. He goes, you're just looking out there. And like, if you catch someone in the face, just look at their forehead, <laughs> but, but don't look at, but don't be looking in their eyes. Cause that's, oh, that's kind of wow, weird. Yeah. You know? So he's, I mean, I he's thought like, about it. maybe he, is he saying like body language though? Is he referring to that as part of I it? think he's just saying it's weird to make, to lock eyes with someone in the audience. Okay. So you want to be like, okay. you can move around like, yeah, I'm, I'm acknowledging you, but don't look deep in their eyes. Just like, okay, whatever scan past their forehead or something. That's funny. Um, but yeah, that was, that was his thing on the, the connection between being a lead singer and, and being um, okay. a standup comic. Okay. Um, so uncle Vic, we got to get into it, man. I count two, four, six, eight, nine guitars behind you. Oh, yes. So here's what we're going to, we got to do. I don't want to get too detailed, but I'm, I love gear as most musicians do love gear. Um, I consider all musical instruments, works of art on top of creating art. Yes. So can you give me a rundown? Of all these guitars, when you got them, what are actually what they are, when you got them, and then what you like most about that, the, the specific sure, guitar. Sure, sure. Um, well, the bottom row uh, starts off on the far right here with my, uh, I'll bring this over here. Oh, nice. Even I, better. Yeah. Ellie. 
I bought this at uh, about two years ago. This is a uh, Fender, or yeah, it's a Fender Telecaster with. I put EMG pickups in there, battery operated pickups, active pickups. Wow! Uh, but it's a good little guitar. It's kind of it's quite heavy, <clears throat> well, fairly heavy. Um, it's you know got a nice. Uh, oh, you got the cutaway on the back. Yeah, they did that. They did that. Yeah, nice. this is an actual. This guitar, um, it's um, made in China, yeah. and it, it was relatively cheap as a result because of. But it, the quality is really good, and uh, it's got that little coil splitter here for the uh, humbucker. And uh, all right, nice. I better lighting, darn it. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, Zoom, there's only so good of a shot we can get with Zoom. No, that's one of them. I like I like customizing my guitars. Okay. Um, this is the one that started it all right here. So uh, needless to say, I'm, I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. Yes. And uh, this is a 1960 reissue model. It's completely stock. I just put new strings out the other day, so it's... Uh, Wait, you know, I, hold on. I I don't have that color, but I so that's the classic. I have a Gibson Les Paul classic. Yeah, it's a this is a 1993 1960 reissue. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I bought my first guitar I bought, you know, I really that was a nice guitar. I had some cheapos. Yeah. Oh, it just I mean a, a Hondo Les Paul copy when I was sure. 13. Yeah. <laughs> With action about that high off the Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. High, high off the fretboard. Yeah, the strings were probably like telephone wires. You probably had a heavy gig yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to pick up? This guitar right here. This guitar really is uh, one of my main workhorses, and I got a really okay. good deal. This guitar came off of eBay. Okay. This is a Godin, G-O-D-I-N, Godin, Canadian brand uh, guitar. It's one of my favorites, actually. It's got a, a two humbuckers and a five-way switch. Okay. It does all that coil splitting and everything. Wow. Oh, a, right. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's kind of not too common to have, you know, two humbuckers and a five-way, which they did it. So I was like, that's really cool looking. And the finish, of course, I'm all, like you mentioned about the artsy thing. And, and then I put a tuner on it, a built-in, oops, a built-in tuner, which is a little battery operated jobber that uh -huh. tunes the strings for me silently while I'm, you know, while I'm, I'm, while I'm with it. If it goes out of tune real quick, I can just make a quick on the spot of judgment. Um, You're kidding me. How does that even work? It's battery operated and you just pluck a string. Oops. And Whoa. you don't know if it's in tune or not. Yeah. Oh, okay. So but it's not tuning the string for you. No, no, no. I got okay, okay. you know, I just gotta, you know, it's just partly cranking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a result of that, uh and you know, you know what's really cool about these Zoom meetings? This is the one time I clean up my place. Ah. Um, so then knowing that, um, I bought this guitar. This one was kind of a challenge for me because, uh, well, RS. a majority of my guitars I, I buy now are basically used guitars on eBay. Yeah. And I get them and I fix them all up and I keep them or I should be selling some, but I'm not going to. Oh, wait, that's a Gibson. I thought that yeah. was PRS. Uh, I have a PRS back there, but this this one here's a, a Gibson. Okay. What's it say? I can't see. Standard. Standard. Uh, standard. Yeah. So it's a Les Paul DC double cutaway, but I wasn't happy with the stock pickups. And I always like that Fender sound, the single coil. Yeah. So I have a coil splitter here on this switch. Look at you. And, and then I have that same built-in tuner again. You find them on eBay for relatively cheap, about 30 to 40 bucks, these little tuners. 
Um, and there you do all this work people. yourself. No, I wish I, I try to learn how to do that stuff, but I burn my fingers too many times with a soldering iron. Yeah. I leave it to a guy that I've been working with at the local music store. Okay. He now works from home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, he'd done all the work for me. I put in two new pickups here. These are, uh, uh, same covers, but they're actually, uh, Seymour Duncan, uh, JB, uh, uh, a JB in the neck, uh, and then I forget what a jazz, a jazz in the neck okay. and a beat in the bruise. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, yeah. that, you know, then as far as PRS is concerned, oh, incidentally, the one I just showed that Gibson, man, Gibsons are expensive. I try to, I try to talk the guy down on eBay and, you know, like, hey man, will you spare 50 bucks or something? It's uh, kind of expensive. Don't you think your price? Yeah. Like, I thought it was legitimately expensive and no, no reply. Yeah. <laughs> So about two weeks later, I said, ah, screw it. I'm going to buy that damn guitar. So I just paid him what he wanted for it. Oh, immediately, man. immediately, within 20 minutes, 15 minutes, thank you so much for your purchase. We will make sure yeah. your package is... Oh, now you answer me. Yeah. 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 I said, just, just give me my tracking number, I was thinking. But I yeah, said, yeah. hey, thank you. So, you know, whatever. This is a PRS. Okay. And uh, this is the SE models. Yeah. I can't. I'm familiar with those. It's in there somewhere. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this. Whoops. God, this is weird. Um, this one here is. Uh, it's got the PRS whammy bar. Yep. I put, I put that tuner in again, and oh. uh, and I also put in a coil splitter again. You push pull knobs are the way to go if you want to. Yeah. What I'm trying to do, or what I was trying to do initially, was to make a all-purpose guitar. Yeah, you know, does everything I need to do with a whammy bar, and I can play it straight, uh, humbucker style, or that twangy sound. Does my band? I don't want to carry twenty million instruments no. with me. Well, I guess I got kind of carried away trying to find the right instrument, yeah. which yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. kind of it in a nutshell. But uh, anyway, let's, let's go back. Uh, this one is uh, this one here is my latest, and this is a. 1999 uh Godin, another Canadian guitar. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Godin uh LGX3, I think. Yeah, three. And it's all the rare one with these single coils. Yeah. And I I'm in the process of taking all the I already took the two outer ones and replaced them with Seymour Duncan's. And then uh the middle one's still a stock pickup, which my guy says, Hey, I I I tossed that one too. I said, okay, so I'm gonna get another one. And you know, eBay really is a great haven for a lot of these uh, guitar instruments, anyway. And oops, there it is. Well, somewhere in there. And um, I, I love this guitar. It's an all-purpose guitar. Plus, it has a built-in acoustic pickup here, which I was going to say, what what is that thing up there? So you have a slider, a bunch of slider switches. Yeah. And volume, um, bass, middle, and treble. Got it. Um, and it's really a, a pretty a specific tone control. A little more work, but you just set it and forget it for your acoustic and boom, you know? And then wow. you have your volume and you can play either just acoustic alone, uh, plug in on the bottom or acoustic and electric together and just turn one of the volume knobs down on either one. And you can play either acoustic only or electric only or combined at the same time. So that's amazing. So I, I thought that's a, that's a great all purpose, you know? And uh, Let's see, this one here, um, well, we all know, you know, about Eddie Van Halen. Yep. And, uh, you know, 
God rest his soul. And yeah. all I can say is thank you, Eddie. <laughs> uh, yeah. To this day, I still don't know how to how to really get my hands around a Ford Rose. I, I like uh, whammies, and I like you know who's really a, a killer guitar player. I haven't asked you who you who you like, but uh, I like uh, Alex Lifeson from okay. Rush. Yeah, and uh, of course Eddie Van Halen too. But um, anyway, that guy can really move the whammy bar. Um, as far as this guitar is concerned, it's a beautiful guitar and everything. It's kind of on the heavy side, but I like the telly shape versus the scratch shape a little bit better. And yeah. with the whammy, like, wow, you know. But uh, this Floyd Rose, it's hard to tune this thing up sometimes. So I don't know, man. Um, I like it, but uh, I'm going to keep on looking. I'm still not right where I want to be with this guitar, although it has the tuner and stuff like that built into it. And uh, a three-way switch. And I replaced the same one, Jazz and a JV in here okay. too. So yeah, this one's this one's a good it's a good workhorse guitar. It's heavy, heavy. I don't like heavy. That's why uh, my Telly gets played more than my Gibson. Yeah, that 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 Les Paul has really hurt. You know, yeah, it does a number on you. Yeah, my brother-in-law. Uh, That's a beautiful guitar. That's what I was staring at most of the time. Oh wow. Well, cool. It's a. Uh, I can't really see that Oops. And we were talking uh, about it. It's so it's maple, uh, a make maple neck, which we both like a lot. Yes. Um, yeah. Stunt back, you know. Um, and it's my brother-in-law. He had this guitar first. He, he just he stopped playing, okay. and he gave it to me. And then I put a new bridge on it because I wanted to be uh, Jeff Beck. There you and go. Whammy to my heart's desire. So I put this uh, hip shot bridge in there, which is a uh, more stable tremolo. But uh, anyway, yeah, this is a cool guitar. This is like my uh, Mark Knopfler meets uh, Jeff Beck. You know, the guy from Dire Straits. Yeah, yeah. I kind of sound, I guess. I, I, yeah, it's a good, it's a good guitar. Um, right next to it, though, this. Uh, this is a good guitar. So this is my um, Strat, Squire Strat that I bought used at this music store. I don't know. That's not a Squire. It says Fender on it, though. Well, it's a Fender. Oh, you see, there's a Squire name under it as well. Oh. Uh, Got it. Do this. Anyway. Uh, so what I did was like, I liked the way the neck played. It was low and everything. And you know, it needs fret work or whatever. It's an old beater guitar. Yeah. But I bought this this uh loaded pick guard okay from a uh fender what was it called modern series and it has not only does it have the five-way switch but there's a little button right here as well for a tone um a little tone uh notch get okay. even more trebly if you want more kind of telly-ish wow. you know that's what they were saying so that little it's like a seven-way switch they call it oh so it I, just... I, yeah i like this guitar it's a good guitar and it's got a Grammy. You know, I don't use it. It's a, it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good one. It plays really well. And then, uh, last but not least, uh, this one's cool. This is a, uh, another Godin. Okay. I don't play it as much though. Uh, it's a Godin freeway and, um, it's a cool guitar. It's got a tiny body, which is number one, it's a little bit too small for me. Okay. But it's cool. It's lightweight. It's a it's a good guitar. I mean, yeah. It's um lightweight. it's really versatile. 
yeah. I had it lowered, like like everything else. I made sure the action was super, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, playable. Uh, went over it. It's got the whammy bar on it. I had the uh, wiring. The wiring uh, again adapted. Just okay. I kept the pickups in there, but I just did. I did add a a coil split switch. Okay. So that's cool. You know, so you can almost every humbucker you have. Yeah, I, I like a. I'm you know I'm trying to find the right combination of uh, sounds that I can pretty much just limit it to two guitars. I had to bring two guitars regardless because uh, I play one guitar in open tuning and uh, open G for the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you uh, got to. And yeah, it's like yeah. I just don't want. Hey, you know, okay, guys, talk to the audience while I tune. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that don't work. Yeah, but, um, Richards. He yeah. liked that open G. Okay, so then the question is, which ones are you gigging with the most? Oh, yeah, easily. Uh, the top uh, row, my PRS guitar in the far corner over there. Yeah. And then my Gibson Les Paul uh, double cutaway, the red one in the middle. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'll bring my Telecaster on the bottom here to tune to uh, Open G. Yeah, that makes sense. You know. That's that's classic Keith Richards on a yeah, 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 you do. You know, I mean, I, uh, we we love Keith, and uh, my buddy and I, you know, we, we were we were twenty summers. Keith, Keith, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith. Well, Keith he's, it this way, he's not just a great guitar player, but he's like, I don't know what you'd call it. He's a true human specimen. I mean, the amount of drugs he's poured through his veins. And he's still, he's fine. He, I mean, he plays well. He seems to be moving well. He should be dead. Ten <laughs> and he's probably the most prolific guitar player of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's touring, right? Because it yeah. seems like every two to three years, the Stone's like, we're going back out on tour. <laughs> Guy's an animal. We didn't make enough money last tour. Oh, you know? man. I don't know, man. I don't they, Yeah, Keith Richards, he's, a, he's an icon for that. You know, he's just... Uh, He's just Keith, you know, yeah. and um, his chord nope. playing is really cool as well as his, you know, his, his, his look, his, his, his aura, his, uh, his, his uh, charisma. His age present, his charisma, oh, yeah. about the guy. Um, so, yeah, he's one of my favorites. You asked about favorite guitar player. Like, it's definitely Jimmy Page is probably, probably number one because he feels... Of all guitar heroes out here, and this is not a knock on him, I think this says um, a lot about him. I think his riffs, either him or Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, um, those two guys, I feel like whatever they play is achievable for me. Um, but then I, I like guys like Keith Richards. I guess Keith Richards, what he plays is achievable for me too. But then guys like Jimmy um, Hendrix or um stevie ray vi or like these other guys like uh van you mentioned van halen the way they play is so far and away from anything i'm technically able oh, to me play too. that me i can't too. even relate to them i like them but yeah. i can't even i can't relate yeah 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 i i uh i remember you know when i was first getting the guitar well who are these guys listening to and yeah the names of these technically you know, superior, uh, just out of this world guy, Ingwe Malmsteen. Uh, oh God. Uh, Vince Impelitary, uh, the fastest shredder in the world, you know, whatever, all these guys. And, uh, I didn't, uh, 
you know, I, I appreciated it, but, it, you know, like I say, if you can't hum the song in your head, you know, uh, after you hear it on the radio, then it's probably not going to be memorable. So yeah, I, I'll kind of stick to the song context and the guys that play there are just fine by me because it's yep. a little more graspable. You know, the other stuff are, it's a little too, uh, and not to say that it's not cool because there are certain guys I do like, uh, but some of it's kind of like just a little, I don't know, indulgent. It's to me, that's just between their tone and their speed. It doesn't even sound like guitar to me anymore. You know, I, um, I don't know. I think I have just acquired that classic rhythm and blues rock and roll, um, acumen for music. Mm -hmm. And when things come too fast or odd times or things like that, it's not that it's I, I, to your point, I like it. It's cool. Whatever's being done, but I'm not going to listen to it again. <laughs> like I heard it. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, whereas some of these songs I've heard probably 10,000 times. I don't think I'm even exaggerating, you know, like, um, the black Sabbath paranoid album. I don't know how many times I've listened to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stones albums, I've just listened over and over and over. And for some reason it, um, I crave it the same way I would crave a, a burger. Yeah. or a slice of pizza it's filling something up in me. whereas when i listen to a lot of the progressive stuff i go wow that's cool and you know what i'm going to make a comparison here and of course opinions are like assholes we all got them and they all stink right but i'm going to make my opinion on prog rock is kind of my opinion on like really highly intellectual humor where people have really smart jokes but I just kind of want that Jerry Lewis. Well, ah, you know, like that's what I want. That that is filling me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's it just speaks to something in my gut rather than my head. Yeah. And I think, you know, an even larger commentary that I'm about to drop. I think we're all in our heads so much in the modern time. You know, even more so in the last ten to twenty years, where everyone's thinking about strategy and angling and career and whatever technology and this and that. And part of it is consumer just being living in a very consumer focused world where like, Oh, you need this now if you want to fit in, or you need this app or you need this technology or, you know, and even with music, um, music is kind of the people who make instruments are kind of guilty of it because they're like this Telecaster is just as good as a Telecaster from 1980, whatever but I wanted to buy a newer one. But what I'm trying to say is some of the simplest stuff out there is the most satisfying. Oh man. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, as far as, uh, as far as this stuff behind me, I mean, it's just fun to, you know, and they are works of art. Yes. You know, as far as, as how I, as how I view them too, but they are functional and whatnot. And, you know, yeah, I could get by with about four maybe. Um, but I, so far, I like. Uh, I like. The I think that's a good time. amount. If I wasn't married with kids, I would probably be around anywhere from five to nine guitars. I think. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm at three, and one of them I don't even count because it was a guitar I bought to keep um, in an office because I I knew it might get either stolen or knocked over. But on my breaks, I I wanted to noodle around on it. But it was like a hundred dollar, you know. Guitar. Yeah, I have a I have a couple like that. I have a you know, a little beater. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. What is it? It's in the shop right now. 
Uh, I have a I have a couple acoustic boxes. I have a, okay. a seagull over here, and you can't see it, but there's a seagull over there, acoustic flat top. Oh, that's know, a guitar. great guitar. I love yeah. the seagull. My buddy has one. That's a oh. great playing guitar. Yeah. Well, let me. I'll show you real quickly. Um, it's uh. Hold on, you're sorry. Let me for this to come on. Uh, this is a cool guitar. Yeah. Uh, I just tend to play my electrics more, even on plug, but this is a very nice guitar. It's got the uh, where do you go? It's got the, uh, the controls built in and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Just, you know, cut away. I'm happy with it. It's nice sounding. Except yeah. when it's in tune, not in tune. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really cool guitar, and um, yeah, it's 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 good. I mean, uh, I don't play acoustic as much because it gets kind of loud. Believe it or not. Yeah. So, you know what, Vic, I want to share with you something and I want to just hear your experience or your opinion. Recently, (laughs) I, I jacked up my shoulder. I mean, really, really bad. My strumming shoulder, my right shoulder. I think it was from strumming acoustic guitar. So let me, I'll tell you. So I guess, um, where should I go back to? Anyway, no, I won't go back too far. I'll just put it this way. I was kind of with the shelter in place. I was doing two things, right? I was going to more zoom mics, but I was also trying to play my guitar more like every day for at least an hour because I no longer sit and commute. So I go, well, I, I literally been gifted two hours a day of my life that I get back. Right. So what do I want to do with that time? And it was either uh, playing music or writing jokes. Right. And, but I was playing one day after I had been playing a lot and I was, just on the couch, you know, obviously bad posture and everything as, as guitarists do. We just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's my acoustic guitar, which is a dreadnought. So my arm is like even further. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a big, guitar. big dreadnought. Oh yeah. And I was just whatever, strumming, whatever. Sure. And I kind of felt like a in my shoulder and I'm like, Ooh, what was that? And it kind of, the next day it started to kind of seize up. And then, um, it just got worse. I, and then I went camping and I was sleeping on it. One, I like rolled over when I was camping and I, I woke up and I was feeling like, you know, crack, crack, crack. So anyway, long story short, like this is my left shoulder, right? Like I can lift it up and this and that. And my right shoulder, this is as high as I can lift it now. And I I've limited my playing to, I'm only playing now maybe 40 minutes a day just to let it heal, but it feels inflamed some nights. And I did go to physical therapy and, um, over video, you know? And so the guy gave me stretches I I should be doing. So I'm doing the stretches, but have you ever injured yourself playing guitar? Yes, I have. Um, I, uh, my Les Paul. (laughs) Okay. You you tend to curl over a little bit and you know, when they say, God, that really hurt, you know? Yeah. I, number one, I'm out of shape to begin with. Right. Number two, um, I uh, for 28 years I was at this medical device company. Okay. Uh, and we specialized in uh, physical and occupational therapy. Okay. So I've had all sorts of questions over the years with these people about musicians and getting uh, bad back syndrome from the violin or oh, the violin's got cello or the, the guitar or whatever. Yeah. And, but yeah, it is definitely common. You know, like anything else. Uh, limber up before you start uh, getting something heavy. Just kind of. Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, just, oh, I'm I so jealous of your shoulders. They move so well, Vic. I love doing this because I mean, uh, it, I do get cramped. I, 
I have tall man syndrome, but my, my colleague yeah. told me, he goes, Victor, you tend to want to take a look down because a lot of people are shorter than you. Yeah. I'm saying I'm six two, big deal. But yeah. uh, I'm just saying that, you know, he's, you probably, you probably tend to look down at people and stuff like that. And therefore you're kind of curvy turning your back. I yeah. get one of those posture straps if I wanted, but I just learned us to kind of just, a, yeah, I try know. to do that too. I try to remember like up oh, shoulders yeah. back. Exactly. So you know, like anything else, an instrument, like, you know, especially put that uneven stretch with a guitar strap. Yeah. On it, uh, that definitely does it. A less call like that. And you're kind of curving that way a little bit. And for a while I was like, Oh, you know, yeah. So always, um, even if you're just sitting down, I would just say, just kind of just rotate your yeah. upper, upper quadrant arms and all that stuff. Like I just did. And then give it a whack on the guitar and really, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping it heals up. It's uh it's been a long road. I would say it's probably been bound up like it was hurting for a while, but then when it just kind of bound up and I couldn't even raise it anymore, that's it's probably been at least um three months now and it's getting better. Like I would say each day it's like half a percent better, a percent better, but it's not anywhere where I would say it's comfortable yet. And that's why I was really bummed out. I go, well, I had the the universe gives you the time and then takes away something else. Well, okay. So I thought to myself, I started hurting my hand and my fingers about 12 years ago. My okay. fingers were hurting. Yeah. Oh gosh, is this going to be the end? Am I, you know, yeah. oh no, please. No. And it, it, uh, it went away. I just kind of really just watch what I was doing. I was talking to those hand therapists at work and all sorts yeah. of stuff about exercises and everything. But like anything else, man, um, not only physical therapy, but I've gone to a chiropractor Okay. Uh, multiple times my whole life, but not that many, maybe 10 times, you know? Yeah. But every time I've gone, oh my God, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. And it, it, and it is from instrument playing. Yeah. Uh, he says, it's mainly, your, it's always your upper back, Victor. And you kind of tend to that and it just kind of gets you out of, feel, you know, out of, out of, out of alignment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I would, I would, uh, I would consider that if you haven't ever gone to a chiropractor. Really. I did. I, I went to a chiropractor years ago. I've had multiple. Um, that, that's why I didn't want to get in the story. I've had so many different injuries. I, um, that I've, I've been to acupuncturists before I've been to uh, chiropractors. I've just been, because of the time we live in, I've been avoiding any hands-on type. Cause I, I'm sure a massage therapist would be able to get the kink out too. Um, and a chiropractor would probably be able to get it back acupuncture might do the trick too. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but I'm just trying to do the physical therapy that the guy gave me over the phone. But if it's not better, and I would say I'm going to give it two more months. If it's still, I can't raise it over my head. Um, I need, I, I got to do something. I mean, and the, the irony is I can play still cause it's down, but I know, I think the plane is what jacked it up in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so, and I have heard musicians get really bad, like carpal tunnel. And I'm almost even wondering if it's not even um, an impingement because the doctor first, so I'm at Kaiser. So first you have to go to the primary person and then you go to the physical therapy. Right. And so the doctor says it's an impingement where the um, bone is actually rubbing against the ligament in the, in the socket okay. and that it takes, she said it could be anywhere from like up to a year, sometimes longer than a year for the shoulder to kind of settle back down yeah. with all the um, physical that's, therapy. That's if it's passive, right? That's if you just let, leave things be versus yeah. manipulation, you know, a just walking around, gravity will pull a it gentle out. Push back and yeah. pull her in yeah. and then, Hey, problem solved. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to 
interrupt there. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's it. I think I think the viewers have heard enough about my sad shoulder. Uh, <laughs> I get it too, dude. I mean, yeah. like, you know, we're all getting older. I'm 56. I don't know how old you yeah. are. I, I'm 45. Yeah, see, I thought I was older, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So you got to just uh, stretching the best thing. Uh, yeah. uh, playing instruments. You know, I, we get home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, yep. Sleeping the next day. It, it does take a toll on you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, my, my PRS in the corner is a heavy guitar, but I love to play it. It's about as heavy as my Les Paul. Oh, I didn't the know that. There. That uh, Telecaster right there next to it is a, is a close second or third. Okay. Um, that uh, blue Charvel, whatever. Yeah. And then the PRS is the top heavy one. The Gibson on top of that red one is light as a feather. And nice. so are my Strats and that Tele. But the, the two, uh, yeah, <laughs> those two right next to her plus that PRS, those are heavy. And I use, I use the PRS a lot. So, yeah. Um, like anything else you want to just, you know, I think before and after. I think my Les Paul is around 11 pounds, which is like, I may as well, that's like bass guitar type weight. Well, I mean, mine's definitely heavy. That's why mine stays in the case. You know, I yeah. brought it out for the, for the interview. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. Uh, hey, yeah, we got a transition before we use a ball. We got a transition into Star Trek. Oh. Now, hold on. So with me, I... Here's what I'll say. I'm not an ex. I, I love sci-fi. I watch, I consume a ton of sci-fi. I read a ton of sci-fi, but I'm not expert on any one genre. You know, I, right now I'm doing another podcast about Mandalorian, um, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but I'm not an expert in Star Wars, but I've always loved it. And I'm one of these weirdos. I don't know how you are, but I, I'm down with both the Star Trek and the Star Wars universe. I know there's usually animosity between the two. So um, first off, uh, when did you first get into Star Trek? Were well, you first edition? Uh, probably, right? The, you know, I was a young kid. I, I was I was like three years old in 1967 when that yeah. was, or 66, excuse me, and um, two years old. <laughs> yeah, but I remember seeing it on syndication later. Yeah, that's um, where I got it. As I got older, uh, as like I was probably about maybe 10 or 11 and it was coming on during the seventies. They started re-syndicating in the early seventies, yep. 73, 74 or something. And, uh, I just, I just thought, you know, Captain Kirk was the coolest and that guy's Spock is cool too. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. but Kirk is, um, uh, my main, my, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my hero going up. Yeah. Got it. So you're an original star. What about next gen? Do you like star, star Trek next generation? No, it took a while to get used to them. But I like them now. Yeah, I do like them. Um, I just always had it a fond, you know, as a little kid, you just have a fondness for it. Yeah. Uh, just because he's just, you know, at that age. But the, yeah. the next generation, it was a little bit different re rewiring of roles and combination of traits and just, you know, characters themselves, likability or whatever. I, I, didn't, I didn't take to it at first. Yeah. I, I just started catch up out with reruns because my friends were watching it pretty pretty much. And they kind of caught me up as well to what was going on. And since then, yeah, it grew on me. Yeah. I just have to pay grew on me. I, for some reason, I have a bias bias towards next gen, but I think that was more around, uh, it came out at the time I could process it. Okay. Because like you, I watched star Trek, the first one 
on syndication. And I was into anything that had to do with space or spaceships when I was a kid. So I was into it. And I, I also liked uh, Lieutenant, is, what's her name? Ahura? Uh, Ahura, yeah. The, with her skirt, her little skirt. For some reason, oh, yeah. I didn't even know why. But as a kid, I really liked that she was in that little skirt. <laughs> um, and uh, so I was really, I was into it, but I don't think it made an imprint but then next gen definitely made an imprint and I really liked that series. And I think that had even more seasons than the original one. Um, but if I look in hindsight and I just look at you, you hit on a very important aspect of Star Trek. If you look at likability and coolness, the original Star Trek, those characters were so cool and so likable. Like Captain Picard is nowhere near as cavalier and macho as kirk oh yeah right like he's kind of just like a he's like a stiff general who just makes it's has to make the right captain. yeah i think more that's to me because the thing about kirk even though he was so cool and stuff like that thinking you know wait a minute does the captain really go down on, on every mission what if it's dangerous down there let, let, let your lieutenants go and you stay yeah. on board the ship and that do that's what the captain does but yeah, yeah. Kirk was so no i gotta go he's gotta going go. And he's going with gusto. Yeah. <laughs> Let me handle this. You know, I'm the captain. <laughs> and I think Data didn't have the same amount of likability. Like Data and Spock were both battling with how to be human. Mm-hmm. Right. And and Data was like, Well, I'm I'm a artificial intelligence, but I'm trying to grasp humanity yeah. and what it is to be human. And then Spock was half human, half um yeah. Vulcan. Vulcan, right? Half Vulcan. And so he was grappling with his human side. Um, but Spock was cooler, hands down. Yeah, he just was. I mean, you know, he had that voice, you know, his 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 dialogue was obviously really cool. Yeah. Uh, but he had the voice to deliver it as well. And yeah, it was very still and he, you know, just his look. He he had the look, you know. Yeah. He had the look. Yeah. He had the look and he had the chemistry between the team or, or whatever you call that. And yeah. then as far as, um, you know, good looking women, I don't know. It's a toss up. You had the Greek gal on next gen. And then of course you had, uh, am I saying it right? How Lieutenant Uhuru, who, what was the Uhuru? Uhuru. Uhuru. I've been, I, I had to think about it. Uhuru. Oh yeah. Uhuru. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Both uh, of those women. But, Nichols. Oh man. Mm. Yep. But in the original one, she wore mini skirt and in next gen, it was just a tight, like skin suit. Yeah. So, um, I think again, the edge has to go, it's got to <laughs> go to the original one. So I, for some reason I'm more bonded to next gen, but like, if you look at it, character for character, storyline for storyline, the first one is it wins hands down. I don't know in my book, I don't know how you feel. Well, I've always had an, uh, an affection for the first one, like nothing else. The next yeah. generation's cool. Uh, I watched DS9. It was okay. I did I never like watched Voyager a lot. Yeah, I, I didn't really care for DS9. I was, it was all right. I just didn't. Yeah. You know. But um, Captain Janeway and Voyager, I liked her and the crew. Oh, you know Voyager. Voyager. I'm glad you brought that up. I did not watch all the episodes, but the few that I did watch, I said, you know what? I'm gonna. I I wanted to get into it, but I think it was at a time in my life where. Um, I just couldn't pause to stop and watch it. When did that stuff? Was that in the 2000s already that it came out or late 90s? I think DS9 it was, uh, was 90s. 
I think it was late nineties, right? I don't, okay. even, I don't know the timeline. I don't yeah, know. me neither. I didn't like it. it was a, it was a kind of eclectic crew, you know. Okay. Um, they all had a past, and then they united and tried to make it work in the ship, and they got to be good friends, and you know as well, and just they were they, they were trying to get home basically, so they were really united. Yeah. Nice. So that was. Um. Now, what is your opinion on these movies? These Star Trek movies that have came um, out with that new Captain uh, Kirk guy. I, I forget his name. Um, some handsome devil. Some oh, handsome sure. Hollywood uh, devil. Um, uh, Robert, no, Chris Pine. Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. Yeah. What Have you watched those movies? Yes, I have. Those are very good. They, I like them too. They put a lot of uh, great character into their, yep. their personality into the character. Uh, I like his, his take on Kirk. And I like uh, the other gentleman's name, uh, Mr. Spock. I forget his yeah. name. <laughs> but um, I do like Christopher Pine. And I remember watching his dad, uh, Robert Pine, on Chips, who was uh, the station commander for, you know, Eric Estrada and yeah. John Baker, I think his name was. Mozzarella and. Uh, yeah, that, those two guys. I didn't realize that his dad Robert was in that. Robert Chips was another one. I liked that a lot too, but yeah, it was yeah. it was all about Poncharella, man. That guy was oh, cool. My sister didn't mind. She didn't mind that part at all. It was all yeah. about Poncharella. She did not mind. She was gaga over him, literally. Oh, uh, yeah. Who wasn't? Man, that, there were so wow. many cool... We can also talk probably about Knight Rider. You probably watched Knight Rider uh, too. I watched a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, what was the voice from the... The voice was the guy from St. Elsewhere, I think, wasn't it? That uh, one kind of nerdy guy, that doctor, or not oh, nerdy. I didn't know that. Nerdy. I forget his name, but he was a character in a show called St. Elsewhere, and he was the voice behind Kit Car. My, and then, of course, uh, uh, the guy, I forget his name. I, I, I watched it okay. My, my friend, this girl I knew, she was all into him. Okay. I, I, I couldn't, I, I, forget her, I forget his name. But Kit Car, yeah, I watched a little bit of it, but... Uh, not that much. <laughs> okay. What about uh, either Airwolf or Blue, Blue Thunder? Um, Helicopter movies. Air, Airwolf with uh, Jan Michael Vincent. I believe. Yeah. Um, my friend watched it religiously and, yeah. and he tried to get me into it. But I went into his room one time to go talk to him and he's watching it. And that helicopter makes the funniest sound. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The heck is that? Oh, dude, this is that show I was telling you about. Uh, yeah, uh, that's cool, man. I, I'm, I'm good. I, I think I'll go back to Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then the other Blue Thunder. The only thing I remember about Blue Thunder, I remember Blue Thunder the movie. Yeah, there was a movie too. Uh, that's the only Blue Thunder I remember. I didn't know there was a Blue Thunder the, theory, the series. Yeah, there was a television show. It's short lived. Theory. Short lived. Theory. I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I don't. I don't remember. Nice. Ah, oh, the '80s. So, you know what I feel? So let's get back to Star Trek. I, I feel like, um, you know, the, the Borg, was it the Borg? They were in that big square. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of had like a hive mind type thing. I think social media is like the Borg. Oh, I agree. Yeah. You know, uh, her mentality and some kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter's like once people start getting their opinions, they get solidified into the hive mind and they stop thinking as individuals. And they go, well, what is the hive saying right now? Okay, then I need to be mad about this right now, you know? Let me let me, let me uh, edit my post because I'm vehemently now opposed to it because they told me to. Yeah. 
<laughs> or how about these characters who they get a job in in Hollywood, like a high, um, some kind of like uh, I don't know what you'd call it, um, maybe like uh, where a lot of people are going to see him, and then they and then all of a sudden you hear about oh they deleted four thousand posts. Oh, I like you can't cover that up. It's already out in the internet. Once it's yeah. on the internet, it's on the internet forever. What do you? How do you think it works? <laughs> People have already read it. They've screenshot it. It's like out there. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't participate much in, in social media, but I've always thought I've had this feeling of, uh, man, I feel like we're moving into the Borg where humanity is no longer uh, a collection of individual thinkers, but rather people are just jumping on board, whatever hot topic they want to get into for the minute. Yeah. Well, I think the technology, obviously that has shaped, uh, you know, the majority of it is just so easy to, to push that button and pull yeah. the message, you know. Um, I've learned, uh, you know, uh, not everything that I read on, on you know, uh, on any social media, obviously. Uh, I learned it a lot lot later than I probably should have. I should have, like, uh, maybe kind of researched a certain point because I've been corrected, too, before. Because, like, like, I think we've all done it at one point or another. You forward something you think is true, and it turns out maybe it's not quite yeah. accurate. I, it's I feel, hard i feel yeah i feel like i should i can't just sit here and do nothing yeah this is something that's important to me uh conservation issues or animals or what yeah. have you um you know whatever you're you're passionate about yeah so of course you're 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 looking at your phone and say, okay you know what this needs to be told and then yeah. later you find out that it was kind of you know you, you feel used or whatever oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like that yeah you kind of you know, I've learned to be a little bit more discerning about it and try to sure. try to, not all the time, but try to. Yeah. Is that really accurate? Okay. <laughs> or no. And then, and then you turn into a researcher all of a sudden, like, oh, I got homework. Yeah, now. I know. Yeah. I this is a, yes, true. I know. God. Uh, yeah. It's like not having a, when we, when we were kids, we had a, um, uh, a set of world book encyclopedias. That was it, man. The Britannica. Yeah, he had the Britannica. Yeah, we had World Book. Yeah. And I swore by them. In fact, I kept some of them after they had, we had left the house. We sold my mom and dad's house. I kept a few of them. This one sure. is, uh, God, I can't see it. Scientists and Inventors. <laughs> that one. Nerd. That was our Google. Nerd. Ladies and Nerd. gentlemen, this was Google. You know, and uh, stories on all sorts of stuff. Anyway. That one I kept, and then I kept also this one. Nice. Because as you know, books are heavy, and you don't want to carry this shit anymore. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And this one is called People to Know, another world book. And it's got everybody in here. Let's see who people, people we want to know. Who do we want to know? Yeah, flip a page. Um, page. Ben's Secret Plan, You Must Be Punished, The Order of the Golden Spur. Doesn't say who the person they're talking about. Oh, darn, it doesn't tell you. Well, let's find out. Uh, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, Tony, yeah. Tony Mack, Mark Twain. Can't see this. Uh, Lassie. No, that's not an important person. Well, they're all in I here. All those people. Name, uh, Clara, and the dog was important. Clara, Clara, I forget the last name. The Red Cross, Mother Red Cross, Clara, something. I forget. Nightingale? No, not, no, 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 no. Uh, I see, I need that book. Yeah, I know. You know, shoot, man. Um, I'll look it over. <laughs> I'll have to hey, so, Vic, Uncle Vic, before we get out of here, 
Okay. I want to, I want to hear, give me some horror stories. What are some crazy things that have happened to you either while you're playing in a band or performing comedy? Is there any uh, story that sticks in your mind as kind of like, what the hell just happened there? Oh, so a not so good night. Uh, well, I bombed plenty of times, you know, yeah. uh, crowd. I remember too, what I did wrong. What I thought I did wrong at the time is I just kind of just leaped right into it. Didn't really, uh, get the audience's attention first and they would just talk anyway, whatever. So I think that was, I, I can think of a particular night that I, uh, made a joke about that and, you know, crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then as far with the, as far as with the band is concerned, um, nothing really. Oh, okay. You got a few drunk guys that are kind of like, Hey man, you know, they get kind of close to you. They want to see what you're doing. And yeah, but I've had a few, I go, Hey man, you know, um, okay, man, just, you know, try to diffuse and whatnot. It never, yeah, never yeah. Really ever, you know, violent or anything, but a couple of close calls, it feels like, like Oh, you know, so, um, but uh, that's about it. But I think, <laughs> I think I bomb more in comedy, uh, yeah. both Zoom and in the real world, than never anything to do with the music. Well, world. yeah, that's part of the process. That's just you got to do it. It's like learning to play the chord progressions, right? You got to be able to go from E to A to D, whatever, and you're going to miss a lot of those changes um, while you're learning. So it's probably the same with comedy. What yeah. are some of the most memorable nights with either playing music or uh, stand-up comedy? Well, some of the most memorable nights. Um, so I was going to uh, the Britannia Arms, you know, weekly. Yeah. Got to know some of the other guys there. Um, and one guy I met shortly after uh, after um, going there multiple times was Pete Munoz. Yeah. And uh, I struck up a conversation with him, and it turns out that I know his his, his father from high school. <laughs> wow. So ever since then, uh, Pete and I, I, I hang out with Pete. I've learned from him because he was obviously a lot more experienced yeah. than I was at doing this and stuff like that. So uh, he was a, a, a good contact, you know, and as far as fun nights, um, you know, I've done some, a few nights um, uh, in front of a bowling alley that I felt were pretty darn good. I felt really yeah. good about it. And then, um, you know, doing pretty good at the uh, improv. Um, oh, nice. You've gone up at the improv. Yeah. I've, I've been there uh, actually a couple times with Pete and uh, I think something, and also the other gentleman, um, God, he runs a lot of shows. Uh, gosh. Um, I was doing some of those shows as well. They kind of tapered off. Some things happened in life. Not and, Sam Medina, right? No, 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 not Sam. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. um, Jason, Jason uh, Rogers. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I was doing some of his shows. Okay. And then uh, I don't know, life kind of just uh, came in, and and I had to make some changes and whatnot. So. Oh, it's too much. It's it's hard to be a, a employee of a company and a musician and a comic. Like you got to pick one. You can't do it all. Yeah, yeah I know. It's it is, and then, yeah, you're right. Uh, so. I don't know. That night at the improv was good. One night at a uh, at um, um, bowling alley, uh, not a bowling alley, pizza joints in Willow Glen. Um, I had a really good night over there. And stuff. I think mainly, I think the best nights I I do are when I mess with the audience a little bit. Yeah, it feels so good. The, I, I like to get the audience involved anytime. Well, 
obviously we all do. But I try to point and make attention to something or get somebody to lock in with me and say, yeah, you know, hey, you were there. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to call somebody and get him get a little more inclusive with everybody. Uh, and like we were talking about earlier on Zoom as well, as calling out their name or whatnot. But just trying to make reference to some of the audience and kind of include them as far as, you know, them as part of the joke. Not so much the brunt of it, but just yeah, yeah, yeah. include them. And I like I like when I connect like that, those are my best nights. Nice. And, uh, you know, maybe not that many people in the crowd, but yeah. the ones that were there, yeah, okay, they got it. Okay. Nice. So I, I like that aspect of it. Right on. Well, Uncle Vic, it has been a fun podcast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Living Daylights, you can catch them uh, around the Bay Area. I'm sure you probably, we didn't even get into this, but I'm sure you're probably affected by COVID, right? You're not. Well, you know, uh, one of the things I say as a comedian is that uh, my my cover band, uh, <laughs> we, we play cover, so we should be able to play anywhere we want right now during COVID. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Nah, They're covered up, guys. They're covered up. We're a cover band, so it doesn't matter. But no, yeah. we, we're we're just uh, doing our fair share and staying home and just yeah. wait, you know. But we're still keeping active and we're doing Zoom as well and stuff like that. And oh, nice. Yeah, you know, we're we're it's it's a little different in Zoom, but yeah, it still can be done. Yeah, there's delays and whatnot and yes. breakups and yeah. all that. Suddenly, I don't feel so bad because if we all delay at the same time, then maybe we might we might play. In, you know, then it's like your guitar's on a tape delay. Get a nice echo. I don't need to buy a pedal. I'm on Zoom. <laughs> true. So true. Right so, on, Uncle Vic. Well, thank okay, you very man. much hey, for Matt, joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. This is good. Okay, okay cool. Hold on. Uh...